0: Welcome to Permission to Win, a podcast asking life's most fundamental questions, like what is permission, who needs my permission, and why are we talking about permission anyway? In each episode, your co-hosts explore different ways to say it's okay, discussing all the different permissions we need in our lives to do or not do the things that we do. Now, in case you think you need it, here's your permission to join David and Kim.
1: Kim, we're back at it. It's episode lucky 13. Are you excited? <laughs> you know, we've we've talked about what are we going to do? We hit 13. We're going to call this our season. This will be kind of the end of our first season. And then what do we do from there? I mean, there's so many things that we could do. I don't know. Should we... Should we start having a lot of guests? Should we, you know, change up hosts? Should we, maybe I could move to Dallas and you could move to Nashville and and we could start doing it from different places. There's all kinds of options that we could do. Slow
2: your roll, slow your roll.
1: (laughs) I've got all these ideas and I'm I'm just, it's just, I'm a little bit overwhelmed here.
2: Are you flailing, David?
1: (laughs) If that's what you want to call it, I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of. Just all these ideas are running at me and, you know, it's a positive thing. I think, I think, but yeah, I've just got a lot of fun ideas. I think we could do and and just take this podcast, take a big step to the left or to the right or which I'll be mean, go forward. We could go backwards. Which way do you want to go? I don't know.
2: Okay. So stop flailing. Let's just do that. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. Well, let's help me understand that what that means to, and let's, let's discuss Flailing, because I'm not sure exactly what you mean by flailing.
2: I just giggle because I think you're so funny to begin with. And then you do like this kind of stuff, but it just makes it even better. So, flailing is not a pretty thing. It's something that we do when we are trying to decide something, we're bombarded with ideas or we're bombarded with panic of some kind. A lot of times, flailing comes from being in survival mode like those are some of the ways that flailing come about but flailing is like that screaming and waving your arms around in the air and just you're flailing you're not seeing or hearing anything you're just flailing like you're drowning
1: yeah I, I, when when you said flailing that's that's really the first thing that came to mind was that person out there in the ocean and the lifeguard is trying to get to them and they almost drown the lifeguard
2: exactly that's the best picture of flailing i could think of too so that's spot on
1: well then we've done our job here have a good day everybody <laughs> info at your permission to win.com i got it right the first time
2: <laughs> i'm really glad you did <laughs> but but i think there might be more to the conversation david
1: all right well you you take off and i'll i'll just try to stop flailing and hang on
2: I think whenever you're thinking about flailing, I really believe this is something that we can default to when we get into a situation where we feel like it's survival mode, Mm. or we feel like we're panicking over something. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's something else. But those are some of the times that we kick into gear with the not really listening not really hearing anything anyone's saying and we we just we're just flailing about and the lifeguard cannot save us
1: i think you're you're exactly right when you're in that i'm not i don't even want to call it turmoil because sometimes it's turmoil sometimes it's excitement sometimes it's just a general panic of not knowing what next looks like i think we've got to have that person swim out to us and just calm us down get us to refocus on the shore and say this is where we're headed or this is an option and this might be the option that literally saves your life because you get caught up in in all the things and drowning i don't think is a <laughs> That's not a learned habit. That's just something that happens. But I think there is a way to learn how to calm yourself in in those moments. I watched a video yesterday. It was a reel on Facebook. The person was paragliding. So they have a great big parachute, and they're just flying through this valley. And then all of a sudden, a bad gust of wind shoves them up into the parachute, and now the whole thing has just become a wad. So now they are attached to a wad of fabric and they're just plummeting, plummeting to the earth. And you get to see it from they edited this together, obviously. And this was a real thing. The guy had his GoPro on, so you see it from his angle. And then his friends were on the ground with their camera shooting that. And so you see this whole thing as it's unfolding or not unfolding as the case may be. (laughs) And it's scary. And you're wondering what's going to happen. And he has to focus enough to get his reserve chute disconnected from everything that he's wrapped up in physically wrapped up in and get it loose and drop it. And he literally, it was in the reserve parachute was in the air for less than two seconds before he hit the ground. So, it was amazing that he had that focus and that ability to be able to save his own life. Most of the time, we're not dealing with that level of intensity.
2: <laughs> That's pretty intense, but he was okay.
1: He was jarred, obviously. I mean, they don't—they didn't go into any details about his follow-up, but you hear him exclaim at the end, wow, oh man, <laughs> that was <laughs> close. And... Whether he broke an arm or whatever, that was a, you know, a nice consolation to breaking all the arms and all the bones.
2: Definitely. Definitely. That is a great visual of what a lot of people do in their relationships or in their businesses or like in their life period, mm-hmm. something comes along and blows them and you know, their, their sale gets wadded up. Mm-hmm. And having the ability to stay focused enough to pull that cord and hear how to save your life or how to save your business or how to save your relationship. This is a super, super example, David.
1: Well, I I think many people are, are predisposed to the panic. And I don't know why that is necessarily, but I think we can all get there. It's, it's just as simple as you're on a busy street, driving down a busy street, and you don't know exactly which way to turn, even though your GPS may be sitting there saying, turn left, turn left. And then you don't, you can't get left because you're stuck over in a spot, but now that panic sets in, do I need to turn right? Because as we all know, two wrongs don't make a right, but, but three rights make a left.
2: So I'm thinking about, like, just the way GPS takes us on a detour. Sometimes life takes us on a detour. And I I think I've spent, like, many, many times in my life where, you know, that GPS voice in my head is saying, you know, rerouting, rerouting. Recalculating.
1: (laughs) Recalculating. Recalculating.
2: But here's the, here's the part about that, that I think is really important in this conversation is when we are in those spots and we continue going the wrong direction and we continue flailing because we are not listening or we are not stopping and becoming aware of where the misturn turn was, or, you know, if this is even the right direction, we should be going I think it causes us to get in that panicky place and it causes us to be in that survival mode. And I know you and I were having a conversation about this, about the dark tunnel. You know, if we're in a dark tunnel and we don't turn around and see that there's light on the other end, then we're only seeing the darkness, you know, that that is part of what flailing about looks like to me is, Sometimes you have to hear and follow the directions of someone who's on the outside of that tunnel. Sometimes you have to turn around and see where that light's coming from.
1: It's important to have in your life, those people who are willing to stand at the end of the tunnel. It's important to have those people who will come down into the tunnel with you. Now, the guy with the parachute, he didn't have time. His decisions had to be made he had to be able to solve his own problem. It's best if we can train ourselves, because I'm sure he had done many, many, many jumps before to be able to do that. So he did that through training. And so if we can train ourselves, fill our toolbox with those tools that allow us to recognize when we are in, I'm going to call it distress or in panic or whatever. And please take this for exactly what I mean by it, but this to be able to stop and give ourselves that verbal slap in the face that breaks the concentration or the, or the panic and resets us and brings us back into. Well, what it does is it brings us back into the fact that there are positive possibilities. If, You're in the middle of the street with the GPS. One of the things you may need to consider doing is getting to the side of the road and then re-figure out either where the destination is or how to get there. If you don't stop, then you're likely going to run into somebody or you're going to do something you don't want to do. And we do that. We get focused on the problem.
2: I wish I would have looked up what um, lifeguards are taught about, you know, the people that are flailing in the water because I am assuming, and this is this is me not looking it up, so I want to be like very blind about that. I'm not a lifeguard, um, but I look at that and I think I, I am sure that they're taught not to go face to face and not to, you know, get into the flailing for, for their own safety. Like, I I think that that's probably something they're taught. And I look at that and I think the same thing with us, if we come across someone who is flailing, it doesn't mean we don't, you know, help them. It's we have to help them in a way that will actually help them and not, you know, drown us at the same time. I think that that's really important. And when you talk about practicing or doing something, a lot of times, if he had never done that before would he have had the ability and i'm talking about the guy that had to you know use his backup or emergency exit plan i i look at that and i think would he have had the understanding would he have had the knowledge would he have had the ability to pull the right thing to detach himself would he have had that ability had he not practiced many times
1: i think age and life experience bring you a lot of practice in a lot of things obviously i don't care how old i am if i was in a paraglider all of a sudden and that happened i i probably would have just smacked the ground and it would have been sad but some people would have thought it was sad at least i <laughs> would be
2: very sad david
1: <laughs> info at your permission to win and just put the subtitle of co-host. <laughs> Kim will need a co- new co-host.
2: Negative ghost writer, negative.
1: <laughs> so there's things in life that just come up and you can't expect them. You have to deal with them. But the more life you live, the more experiences you have in life, the more negative situations that you go through, The easier, oh, that's a bad word, the more readily you can recognize when those situations are heading your way and what you need to do to get out of them. At this point in my career, I have what I would call nerves about making sure that the people above me are satisfied with the work that I do because I want to do a good job for them. But there's also a level of No, I'm good at what I do. I understand what's really important and what they're asking me to do is not that important. And so I have some wherewithal of myself to not go into panic mode and just to say, no, let's rethink what you're asking me to do. I'm happy to do things, but let's talk rationally about what those things are. And that can happen in a relationship. No, you're asking me to get rid of myself, or you're asking me to get rid of things that I value to meet your needs. So, again, you've got to be confident to be able to focus on the things that you're willing to do or to not do. And instead of getting into a fight or flight panic mode where you don't know what to do.
2: So in business, this is one of the things that I have been told many times and it's from clients and from masterminders that when they go into panic mode and I don't, that that's a very secure feeling for them because they are not, they're in full-blown panic. They're full-blown distress because of All the things coming towards them or all the ideas that are not happening or whatever it is. And that does not panic me. I've watched that happen so many times. My calm muscles in those situations come from lots of practice. And I feel like that's one of the things surrounding yourself with people who are able to be calm in those situations is important because the flailing is hard. Like the flailing is hard on the person that's flailing. It's so hard. And it's really hard on the people around them because imagine the guy drowning out in the ocean. All the people on the beach are watching, desperate to help, not knowing how to swim or whatever. And they're they're counting on that lifeguard to show up. Well, that flailing around again is, is causing attention. And I think a lot of times when we're flailing, we don't realize what kind of attention we're drawing, Mm. but one of the things I feel like is a, and I don't want this to sound like this is a pride thing. It's just, I've witnessed this so many times I've practiced this so many times it has changed where I'm at with it and don't think I don't have flail because that's not true either but having that practice over a very long time and being 55 that's another part of this story is you know we do have the ability to help someone else but I will say if someone doesn't listen when they're flailing and it's hard to listen when you're flailing there's not help that you can give them until they stop Flailing sometimes, it it takes that that next step of okay, you bumped your head really hard. Now will you listen how you can keep from doing this again?
1: I'm going to go back to what I believe is a reality that if you've never had children, you were at one point in your life actually a child. So one of those two things, or both of those things, count for you <laughs> as your listening to us when you fell and scraped your knee or as kim said bumped your head or whatever it was your life was thrown into a tizzy and you had no idea what to do until hopefully some caring older person whether they were an adult or older sibling or whoever was able to reassure you That your world was not over, that the end of the world was not nigh, that a unicorn-covered band-aid and some back teen was right around the corner. (laughs) And so that solution being presented by someone who was a little more calm than you in the moment is sometimes all we're looking for when we're flailing. We just need the reassurance that it may not be worth panicking over when my kids would fall or whatever. I would do the funny dad thing, as you can only imagine. And ask them if they hurt the ground. Oh. <laughs> because if, if I came unglued and over and, oh my gosh, are you okay? Are you okay? Then they must assume that they shouldn't be okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they need to lean into whatever's wrong with them. I think we see that a lot today with narcissistic folks who have had way too many participation trophies thrown at them. And you run into a situation where they can't cope with any kind of negativity.
2: Yeah. And that's a hard, hard thing to hear, David. Like that's a hard place for someone who is in survival mode or defaulting to Mm -hmm. the flailing. That's not what they want to hear. And a lot of times we're the ones they get mad at. Like if we're the calm one in the situation. And I'm going to tell you flat out, last week I had a, I'll call it a flailing moment. I had a terribly melty moment because I've been struggling with internet issues for like so long. On, like, long story, I won't even tell, but I've been struggling with something, and it's not because of the problem as much as it is the dismissing. I think I have been dismissed of that there is a problem, even though I continue to have that problem with the internet. And I look at that, and I think my moment of flailing was. I'm just going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And bawling, of course, crying the whole time. And I look back and I giggle because I think my, you know, stopping of the flailing, my lifeguard that showed up was really common sense of, OK, wait a minute. Is this really worth stressing over? Like and, and I don't want to bring up something bad, but I buried a son, Like, I buried a teenage son. How does this compare? How does this silly internet stuff compare to what I've actually gone through in my life? So I look look at, you know, last week in the flailing that I was doing, and I think, hello, like, what in the world were you thinking? But we all are human. That's part of our humanness is that we get into those moments of that it's the recovery time. I think that it's more important to talk about the guy finding the wherewithal to get the right parachute to save his own self, you know, the allowing the lifeguard to swim out and get us that calming ourselves. I think all of that is connected to growth and growth is usually painful, but I think that you're spot on when you're. Using these analogies of it's us, like it's us that has to slow down and become aware and allow the flailing to stop.
1: I think this is a direct offshoot of our last episode, which was about listening. And so being willing to listen and giving other people permission to interject, I guess, into our flail. The, again, that comes with trust, that comes with experience, that comes with so many different things to allow people to help us see that single pinpoint of light while we're in the tunnel. It's, it's a trusted voice. It's whatever analogy you want to throw at it. But you've got to be able to, to just sometimes just stop and recognize oh this is what i'm doing i am going to be okay you know parachute guy thankfully he didn't do that but the but the person that's drowning does have to come up with enough of themselves to say i am being helped i need to allow the help i need to stop trying to save myself as much and allow this person to give me instructions to save my life. Now, again, this show is not about life-saving. This show is about, you know, getting through those moments.
2: And this is the permission to not flail. Like, and, and I think that that's the, the part that we need to hear. Humans flail. Humans have those moments. Humans do this and you're human. <laughs> So, So stop it. So, stop being human. (laughs) Definitely not. Okay. Just learn how to, you know, learn how to do things in a different way. That may be the answer. I know for me, seriously learning how to calm myself and just stop for a minute or do the thing that was, you know, causing me to flail or. A lot of times I will even do a, a practice that I don't, I I've done this since I was little. And that is go to the very worst scenario and then realize I can survive that too. Like, that's just something that, okay. Now that I know that the rest of it doesn't look so bad, you know, I'm really not in that bath, that worst spot most of the time.
1: Well, you, you brought up your, your son and thank you for being vulnerable and, and discussing that, but. That's why before I I really tried to not focus on age so much as life experience. And it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, people have had some really tough upbringings and they've had, I mean, homelessness, abuse, things like that. And if you get to the other side of it, I mean, so far, I think you may have said this before, so far, we are all quote unquote winning. We're (laughs) still on this side of the dirt. Mm-hmm. and we have a, another few seconds days years whatever we have ahead of us so we need to be ready to recognize when we are flailing i i know that i get into rant mode and it usually that's what my flailing sometimes looks like when somebody i'll I'll explain it like this someone comes to you and they ask you to do a project well depending on how much information they provide. My example was I was in a conference room with my supervisor and her supervisor came in and said, we need X, Y, Z for this project. And then walked out of the room and I looked at my supervisor and said, do you realize that they just asked us to paint this room, but they didn't tell us anything about what they wanted done. So I'm happy to do it. I can do it. I can paint this room again, analogy. I can paint this room. Do they care if it needs to be repainted in the future? So should I use flat paint or semi-gloss? Do they care what color it is? Do they care all these things? So that's my flail is I get into, I want to do the best job imaginable for this person, but they didn't give me any parameters to give them something that they wanted. They just knew they wanted a thing and they wanted it done. Now I've got a million choices, a thousand different ways. And that's, that's what sends me into a tizzy.
2: <laughs> so I have clients come to me sometimes that I'll, will ask me for a thing. I'll just say that they'll ask me for a thing. They don't know how the thing works. They don't know how to set it up. They don't know how to operate it. They don't know how to do any of the things that go with the thing, but they have it in their mind that it's as easy as snapping my fingers or wiggling my nose. And by tomorrow morning, they're going to have exactly what they asked for. And then they're disappointed if they don't have that, because in their mind, it's super simple. So the flailing comes from, you're not doing what I want you to do. And I have to giggle because it's like, what you're asking is not what you're asking. Like when we're flailing, I think we ask for the wrong thing a lot of times. When we're flailing, we don't have enough clarity to be clear enough to ask the right question or to follow the directions that that have to be done or any of those things. So flailing causes hearing loss, like
1: (laughs) flailing, flailing brings us, as you said earlier, brings us to a melty state a lot of times. And you can only imagine that a lot of money is spent trying to get out of a flailing situation. Or when you're that kind of upset, you think, well, I'll just do this and that will solve that problem and you, and you throw money at it. Another analogy that, that just came to me when, as you were talking about the last second decisions or the last minute, you know, it takes time to do things. It takes preparation and forethoughts, kind of like painting the room. But if you don't know what's involved in building a website, they sell it online with Wix and all these other places that it's super simple. Well, it is if you know what you're doing and you know what you want because they can give you this beautiful stuff. But now you have to come up with the words that are going to be on the page, the pictures that are going to be on the site. All the decisions still have to be made and you can't walk into somebody's kitchen and say, you know, it's lunchtime. You know what I would really like is, a Thanksgiving dinner
2: in five minutes.
1: Yeah. You can't, you can't do that because it takes prep. It takes getting stuff together. So all that to say, I, I hope we're still on topic is, is the flailing. Sometimes it's the lack of understanding of what's required of us. Sometimes it's an immediate situation that we're suddenly find ourselves in but we have to be able to recognize when those situations are either upon us or they are approaching us and know how we're going to handle that. Again, experience is such a great teacher in those moments. But if nothing else, just being able to recognize for yourself, I am not who I normally am and I am in a situation that I don't know how I got here and how to get out. So now I need permission to stop flailing. And maybe I need to trust someone and listen, listen to someone that I may not want to listen to and trust, but I may have to.
2: (laughs) And I think that's one of the, and I will just say this from my husband's perspective. (laughs) he gets the brunt of things when I am flailing because I trust him enough that I can flail and he's still going to protect me. Like that's one of the things that I think is important too in this whole conversation. And we're crossing over in lots of topics here, but I think when you are trusting someone to help you, when you're flailing that sometimes we're not very nice to that person when we're flailing so having that responsibility of making sure we tell them, look, I'm sorry for, for the flailing or I'm sorry that I was just you know coming at you and not listening or I was whatever it is. I also think that's part of this conversation is that if we don't listen, we need to recognize it. If we're panicking, we need to calm our own selves. If we don't have a person that we trust to tell the truth and tell why we're flailing or talk about the flailing. We need to make a point to do that. Those are some of the things that I am taking from this conversation with you, David, and I want to do better. Like I want to do better. I want to not flail as much. We're always going to flail in some way because we're human. But I do think that having that trusted person or people And slowing down enough to hear them. I think those are some of the remedies for flailing.
1: My daughter, when she was in middle or high school, would, you know, deal with typical teenager things. I would recognize the symptoms of of Mm teenage-itis. And I would offer my assistance, my ear, my shoulder, my whatever it was that I thought might help and I would get shut down. She would boom gate me, <laughs> get out of my room, kind of a, kind of a situation. She was never that rude, but I, it, it connected with me. I finally said, you know, people want to help and they will invest in your lives and try to help you when you're, Which was basically what she was doing. She was flailing in her life at the moment. And I said, but they are only invested up to a point. Mm. Eventually you train them that you will not accept their help and they will quit asking. And you've lost that resource. Hope your parents, hopefully not forever, but you could lose some friends permanently. So I think that is the key to all of this is permission to either figure out how to stop flailing yourself or permission to let people in your lives that can help guide you through the flail and get you back to shore.
2: I think allowing is such a great part of this conversation. If we don't allow the lifeguard to take us back, if we don't allow, you know, that learning and that practice and we don't allow that, then at some point people do stop. Like they do stop offering. They do stop trying to help because you have such a hard boom gate, as Carrie says, that we, you know, we won't continue or they won't continue for us. And I think I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose those trusted people based on my hard-headedness. You know, based on my default for survival or my default for, I'm not going to handle this problem. I'm going to wait until it's escalated, or I'm going to not, you know, not hear that I can do something different. I think that's one of the things that I see a lot is people ask for a certain thing. They don't want to do the thing that gets them that. They want to continue to do what they've always done, which has never worked before but they want to stay in that because that in their head, that has to be the answer. Even though the whole time you're telling them over here to hear, there's a different way. And I think that's another part of this flailing is we're angry because what we're doing is supposed to work. And we don't want to hear that. It's the real reason why it's not. I, I think this is just a great, great topic.
1: Well, we, we, don't want your flailings, but we do want your experiences and we do want stories of how you, how you stop the flail. What is it that you have in your toolbox that you can whip out and solve that problem or refocus yourself or verbally slap yourself in the face with? You know, just that rubber glove that you and and you're you're a little bit more focused and now you can think or you pull over to the side of the road i'm going to use all the analogies what what is it that you've done to to break that cycle because it's a cycle once you get in it it's it's and it's a drain it's you're circling a drain and uh to add one more analogy to our our thing so you've got to you've got to get out of that tidy bowl man mentality for those gen xers out there
2: what is the disruptor That's what I think of. What is the disruptor to the flailing?
1: There's that one word that that answered all those words that I used. (laughs) So we want your one word or 20 word sentence uh, that helps us understand. So Because we want to put these in our toolbox. We want to share them with folks to let them put them in theirs. And again, that's why we're doing this podcast is because we want to learn from you and we want to share your great answers with the thousands of other listeners that we have out there.
2: Absolutely, David.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to go back over here and make all kinds of crazy decisions. So bye everybody.
0: (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Thanks for spending time with David and Kim. Now it's your turn to explore permission in your world. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or questions about the show, please email info at yourpermissiontowin.com. And although they don't need permission to produce new episodes, they sure would appreciate it. Your permission, in the form of a five-star rating and review, will help keep the show going. Until next time,
1: here's your permission to win.